Welcome, everyone, to the final episode of 2021. We're recording this in mid-December. It's our annual year in review episode where we cover the Oracle Cloud EPM highlights from this past year. Opal and I have both gone through the Oracle EPM Cloud's new features list with a fine-tooth comb for the totality of 2021, and we want to call up a few notable features. But first, since we are in the middle of December, Opal, what's your favorite Christmas song? Ooh, um, you know what? I'm a big fan of Mariah Carey's song. Um, trying to think of what it's called. All I Want for Christmas is You? Yes, All I Want from Christmas is You. Ah, okay. Um, my, I have, that's not a bad one. That's a good one. Everybody likes that one because she is the queen of Christmas. I have a few favorites. I'd have to say one of the top ones are uh, the Kinks, Father Christmas. Oh, Okay. I love that one. Um, my favorite overall Christmas album is the Michael Bublé Christmas album. That's a pretty good one. I haven't heard all of it, but I like his uh, uh, his style. Yeah, it's it's great. It's a great song. Uh, great album. Great album. Um, and then I like uh, the, you know, Eagles Christmas, Please Come Home for Christmas, stuff like that. Those yeah, that's a good favorites. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But those, those are my favorites uh, for, for Christmas time. And I like the Elvis Presley ones, too. Like Blue Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's a like good that. one, too. I agree. Yeah. They're always my go-to Christmas albums that I listen to. Do you have a go-to Christmas album though, or just- no? No. In fact, um, I love Christmas music so much that I annoy my husband with it because I start listening to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving. I find a local radio station and that's playing in my car like every time I'm in the car. And um, I actually made my own curated playlist. I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember mixtapes, but I make my yeah. own. Christmas mixtape through Apple Music, and I play it all the time until Christmas. Yeah, I mean, it's Christmas magic. It's mm-hmm. magic that can, uh, you know, affect anything. And, uh, you know, any situation that you're in, it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to get into the spirit. Music helps. I think the lights, decorations, it's all, it's all the way to get us into the right frame of mind because this time of year is very stressful. And uh, it's important for us to uh, settle, settle down, take a break, and uh, be thankful and, 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 and think about all we have. And that's part of what this episode's for. But uh, I really want to get started with this, uh, these new features. You know, what are your thoughts on the year's uh, releases? Well, I think that there's a lot to cover. I'm always shocked when we look back at the list and it's amazing how many features are on the list. Yeah, that's true. We always miss something. <laughs> right. You know, we've only done this once before because we're only in season two. But what the audience doesn't realize is that this is actually a planned format. We started it last year. We wanted to do kind of a year in review at the end of the year. We thought it was a good format. uh, So we decided to do it again. And I actually look forward to this each year because it's the one time that I'm forced to look back through all the amazing features Oracle has released. And I'll tell you, until you look at the totality of that list, it is really easy to forget and not appreciate how much work goes into cloud software, which is constantly changing and improving. So there are so many features. What we're going to do is we're going to attack it by product category. And just a note to everyone that Anthony and I have very overlapping skill sets. So we're not going to be very heavy on the account reconciliation, tax reporting, profitability and cost management, and strategic modeling updates, since those are not our sweet spots. We're going to focus more on planning, reporting, FCC, EDM, and then kind of a smorgasbord of UI environment and other types of updates that we noticed. 
So let's just jump right into it. And I'm going to do reporting first because that's where I started recording the list. We actually have a set of notes that we're looking at and reading from. So from a reporting standpoint, quite a few notable updates, the first one occurring in February. And note that you won't hear any January updates because as is the usual moratorium, I don't know if people realize this, but Oracle does not release new features in January because of the moratorium over the new year. So there should never be really any updates in January. So the updates started in February. And in February in reporting, we got a first major release and trend towards the future, which is that reports was released, which is the financial reporting killer. Reports is the light version of management reporting and narrative reporting. It was released to application pods, I think, uh, planning, FCC, and tax reporting at a minimum. And it is there right alongside FR. And it is there so that customers will move over to it so that Oracle can sunset FR. So that was a big start to the reporting year. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of customers have started to adopt it and stuff started migrating over to it. And I'm hearing some pretty good things. In addition, in February... Management reporting officially changed its name to reports, which is also interesting. And so now we have two slightly different products. We have this reports product that's in the application pods. We have management reporting that's in narrative reporting. And they both have the same name, yet they're not exactly the same product. But hey, we got to go with it. There's always a lot of changes in names. And that was an important one. In March, we had the bursted reports then management reporting that are finally able to export to Excel. In July, SmartView 21100 was released. In September, we had books and bursting output being directly exported to Excel, now being supported. We also had this ability to suppress docklets in a report package, which is the narrative reporting tool. This was actually quite big. I think I talked about it on a previous episode. And the reason why is because it allows you to create Theoretically, a master report package where you can just kind of suppress the items that you don't want to publish for that particular period. So it makes it quite easy to make a modular report package. In October, they continued that trend where you can now publish only sections of a report package. So you can continue to make them even more modular. And then in November, we have the ability to import books into SmartView with the new books extension. So that does require an installation of this new books SmartView extension. And that was something that some folks were looking forward to from the reporting tools. Then this month, we had a couple of notable updates. We have the release of SmartView 21200, although it's not available yet as of the recording of this podcast episode. It will be available later in December. And then in addition, something that a lot of people have been asking for is the ability to export reports as fully formatted objects to SmartView and Excel. And that's the reports tool that's in the application pods that's already been available management reporting, but it wasn't available in reports and they finally made that available as well. Well, that's like a fully formatted report out to boom, out to Excel, not a PDF kind of a thing. Like correct. A, correct. Uh, and PDF has always been there, but I think some folks really wanted to just be able to export it to Excel directly from, let's say, planning or FCC. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's great. Do you have anything you wanted to add? That's our that's our notable reporting list. Uh, I think it's fantastic for uh, the reporting tools is, is, is just great. I mean, that, that one of the reasons why people build these things is to be able to get information out. And uh, 
it has got an excellent report writer it always has and it's just getting better right i would yeah. say it's hopefully all the mm-hmm. time awesome I wish I knew more about the doclets and all those other cool things. Like I really need to get into that. <laughs> I know a lot of people that ask me about that. Yeah. It's a very just, unique perspective of reporting. Just, it just sounds cool to say doclet. I like <laughs> it. Very cool. I think we want to jump into planning next, mm-hmm. right? And, yep. uh, you know, this, this year we had, uh, we had a talk with Mark Nolly about planning, right? And he, the product manager for Piperian Planning, and mm-hmm. we were talking about all the different features that they have coming out over the year. And, you know, he's busy. So they have a lot going on. So there was a lot of stuff that was going on in planning this year. Um, some really key items that we talked about earlier in the year. But I think the big thing, one of the one of the major uh, features that came out was the cell level security. And that that was huge because we've been talking about that since, you know, planning first came out was basically the ability to have security per different um, different cells or different cubes or types. And this really gives you some flexibility to be able to manage it. And with it, you got some different tools to be able to export and manage that cell level security. So it's a huge advantage. I don't know that many people are actually taking advantage of it yet because they might have had solutions supporting it in other ways. That's been a huge advantage, I think, for the tool for the for the release this year. Um, I would also say I participated in the Groovy, you know, import and export level zero data out of the database as well. Um, that was a pretty cool feature. As we have as well the the multi freeform cubes. What, how many was in there, Opal, for the total that they're able to it, Well, the documentation says it supports up to 12, but I haven't worked with it personally, so I'm not sure if that's, I'm assuming that's accurate. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a planning, right? That's a, the freeform application type, but it's not necessarily a planning, but they're kind of built underneath the same umbrella. So the ability to have all those the freeform cubes can really give you some flexibility when moving to the cloud um, to be able to set that up. Big thing that I worked with this year for one of my clients was FlexForms. And uh, the original FlexForms was kind of not so flexible. And uh, I, I know it's not a very popular thing with all clients yet, but it really gives you some ability to modify the form definitions on the fly for users and still have the ability to define calculations that would run off of the forms. And they put a lot of work into it this year where you could actually have some custom dimensions that would not necessarily use the form definition or use the form def, or you can go outside the form definition and put members that you had access to. So they really had a lot of special abilities within the rows. And then in December, they, they actually extended it out for columns. So it's a real cool feature that um, I think that people should take a look at. And if they're, they might want to use it because they might've thought that they were locked into their planning implementation, but this gives you some real flexibility to add members to the forms, which you might not have had before. It only really works in SmartView, but it's a it's a pretty cool feature. I think they've really opened it up, and like as Mark said in his latest uh, release, it's uh, they made FlexForms more flexible. So <laughs> <laughs> another key feature was invalid intersections. So uh, planning in the cloud always had uh, valid intersections, but I yeah, think people- I, you know, I agree with this one. I was. <laughs> I think people thought it worked like invalid intersections when it first came out. I think it was a little bit confusing. Yeah. And you could kind of flip it around the logic to make it invalid, but it, it was really valid intersections, but now they have invalid intersections that you can define, uh, which makes it a little bit easier. And that goes hand in hand with the cell level security to really help you guys increase your security models. So take a look at what they have out there. Try to think about security in different ways and uh, and setting those up. 
Now, the other big thing this year was, um, you know, we started getting a taste of what the future or an AI and planning could look like. And that's really about the IPM insights. And this really allows people to take advantage of machine learning that's either you've built outside models that you've built outside of Hyperion planning or utilizing some of the planning models and modules inside or using planning mod the planning itself to develop kind of like trends or analysis of your data compared to other data sets to see things in your system that you may not have been aware of. Kind of things like forecasting bias is an example. So like, say for example, you're someone that always uh, hedges your sales forecast. You're always below actual, right? You're, you're always saying, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna be low and you know, take it easy. I don't wanna be too, too aggressive. Well, this could help you identify those things that you're always being a little bit, you know, you're trying to hedge your forecast because you may, you know, you may not realize that you're typing in these numbers that way, but the system will say, hey, listen, compared to last year's forecast, you're, you're under, right? And then looking at actuals, it's, you know, you really are trying to plug those things in. Um, and I think it's helpful because you get insight because there's just so much data or, or, or different types of cells. It's hard for you guys to ana analyze all of them at the same time. And the system really looks for those outliers and tries to help you identify it. Any you know, anomalies in your data or your plan, your forecast, it's really cool stuff. And I think that this is the future is, is that you want to spend more time doing analysis or looking at hotspots in your plan and forecast instead of actually going through and meticulously checking every single intersection of the data or you know, making, that, making that flow. So I personally haven't had a chance to use this as much. Um, but I'm really excited that this is something, this is something that's coming into the system and just got released in November. And, um, I think that this is like the future of where this is headed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I was a little bit sore that I wasn't part of the beta, but, um, I am very excited about any kind of artificial intelligence, machine learning entering into the EPM space. And the great thing is it's, it's only going to get better. And I think that with Oracle's, uh, you know, behind the scenes, they have the, they have the capability to really, in, you know, utilize their hardware or to see what other people are doing from a forecast perspective as an overall monitoring of the, of the planning systems to say, hey, how can we make this better? And I think it's a real good enhancement and definitely a feature that people should try to take advantage of. Now, workforce this month, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I haven't actually tested this out, but just came out this December is that there's huge performance improvements to workforce. Now, workforce is definitely something that people are always say, why is it slow, slow, um, you know, with the way that it's doing the XRFs from the other cubes, pulling in the information, or just doing the sheer volume of calculations to pull the inf information in. Now, a lot of people have customized their workforce to either streamline it or do things differently to try to make it faster overall for them or to streamline their process. If you've changed the rules or changed the module slightly, the, the, you won't be able to take advantage of any of the performance calculation improvements that are there. So you'd have to restore those objects and take a look at it. One of the things you may want to do is in a test pod is maybe reinitialize workforce, try to set your model up in there, compare what the new performance improvements are looking at versus what you have, you know, what you have today in your current env environment. If this is making my workforce so much faster and I'm using all of the out of the box stuff, I'd rather see clients use the out of the box stuff because that way they can you know take advantage of these updates and improvements and when they call oracle support they can say hey i'm using this is all out of the box and you get help faster 
versus in saying, I have all this stuff customized and these are changes. So I personally haven't seen it yet, but Mark, you know, and, and they documented that, that a lot of changes this year to uh, this month to the workforce performance improvements. And I think it's something that you guys would want to check out. Okay, so let's move on to FCC. And just to be clear, I don't have hands-on experience with FCC, so I just kind of went through and picked out stuff that I thought was kind of interesting. But I believe Anthony has some hands-on experience, so maybe you can add some color to it. So what I thought was very, very amazing, because I somehow missed the boat on this, was that nearly a year ago, so in February of 2021, the first digital assistant in EPM was released to FCC and I believe at least one other product. And I, I don't have any experience with it personally, but I think it's, again, any opportunity to allow artificial intelligence or machine learning into EPM, I think is super exciting. So it looks like FCC was one of the guinea pigs for this. And I, I hope to see this very soon um, in all of the other areas of EPM. Um, but is yeah, it, I think that that's exciting. Is it the paper paperclip? Like from no, oh. <laughs> let's never, ever speak of the Microsoft <laughs> Office paperclip. Oh, oh my gosh, so they cute. put Clippy in here. Oh, my gosh. I think we'd all scream. But yeah, so I, I don't know how well that's gone. Have you heard anything about this? I don't. I have not. I have not. I've never used it. Um, and I don't have any clients that have asked me about it, honestly. Okay. But, uh, yeah, me either. So I'm guessing it was probably an initial release. And as we know how initial releases go, you know, it takes it's slow to adopt take some time to get used to it and really understand how it fits in. But I, I have high hopes for this. Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. So in addition, we had a couple, I believe you talked about this in a previous episode. So maybe you can add some color here, but in February and November, we had some new performance substitution variables that were added to FCC. They were called optimized concurrency, Delta database refresh, OLU rate slowed, optimize ELIM calculation and enable um, ELIM new logic. So I, I believe you talked about this before. What were your thoughts on, on how these have enhanced performance in FCC? Yeah. So um, you definitely do see performance improvements. I don't know, even know why it's a, it's a variable. It should just, I think it's almost like, hey, let's try this out first. And then uh, we're going to see how it goes and, and, and see it, make sure it works. But I think it's just for, you know, like 99% of the applications, you'll get better performance with these settings on, um, but there might be a few exceptions out there where they may have to turn it off as a toggle. My best experience with FCCS is if you, if you follow the rules and you implement the product as it's designed, right? Do not try to make a lot of changes and stuff like that to the, to the application. You're going to have your best experience and it's going to perform optimally. There are some things you can do to customize it, of course, but try to follow the account structure where their expectations are, and you will be able to take advantage of these settings. I just had a client like this this week was like, well, I want to change the sign of, of this and, and move this up. I'm like, well, FCCS is expecting it this way. You change the sign and it's the plug is going the other way, right? So you got you to gotta then change all those things that make it fit. So once we did that, it worked, but just as an example of is that it's expecting things a certain way and uh, you know, you want, you want to try and fit into that model. And then if you do, then you, you're going to get really good consolidation out of it. In March, I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, as customers may realize out there that there are two different types of licensing in cloud EPM, there's standard and there's enterprise. And in March, one of the little notes was 
that there are now additional consolidation features in the standard edition of FCC. And it states that the standard edition of FCC now includes the same advanced consolidation features at the enterprise edition. So that's great news for any customers that are on standard licensing. But I always think that any attempt to kind of narrow that gap between the two licensing platforms is always interesting. In May, I thought this was great. Uh, they added support for Groovy scripts for custom rules and the ability to run on-demand rules from Calculation Manager. Any thoughts on that one, Anthony? Yeah, anytime we can put more Groovy in the applications <laughs> is a good thing. Um, more Groovy. Yeah, more Groovy. It can do things that really help advance. We can't talk about Groovy enough. And it, it will really help the FCCS experience, especially for on-demand rules, which are basically like planning rules on save they're very helpful. Just to act on the cells that have changed is is huge. In July, I thought this was quite interesting as well. It was the introduction of the Enterprise Journals module, which allowed direct posting of journals back to an ERP. Yeah. I mean, what I love about this is this shows that Oracle's, it's thinking more platform, right? So it's not just thinking about, oh, we have the Oracle EPM solution and and we're going to do these types of things. It's that now we have these mo- this journal entries is that one of the things with close that comes up all the time is that do I put this journal into my consolidation system for the month and then next month I put it back into the ledger and I'll back it out in mm-hmm. uh, the next month, right? Yep. This is basically, no, basically your journal entries should really all go into the ledger unless they're truly a consolidating journal entry. Um, so this way, this gives you the ability. It's like, oh yeah, I'm doing my close in EPM. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I need to put this le- this journal back into the ledger that I missed. Let's do it here. It goes right back in and it's in the right spot. So I don't have to worry about what do I do next month with it? Right. It's actually happened right away. So it's, it's huge and it's a bigger play. And it's really shows that Oracle's thinking more globally around the, across the whole platform. Yep. And then the last one that I noted was in August support for the movement in period dimensions as dense dimensions, which is obviously an optimization strategy. So again, I don't have any personal experience with this, but I know that when a lot of consultants from HFM came to FCC, they were probably like, what is this concept of dense and sparse and why do we care? And understanding basic concepts of S-space. And I thought that that was quite an intriguing feature. Yeah. Because the only dimension that was previously dense was a count. Yeah. And everything else was sparse. So you would have you would have some lopsided cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So I think we want to go into uh, EDMCS next, right? This is all you. Go right oh, ahead. Come on, it's all fun <laughs> stuff. EDMCS. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. It's it's a fantastic tool. One of the things that you know I'm most impressed with it is is that you get a lot of changes in the tool because it's not DRM in the cloud, right? So it's a brand new tool. So there's a lot of functionality that they are adding that is different than DRM, but they're also adding a lot of stuff that was basically in DRM that they want to they want to add to the tool as well. So really a lot of different cool things uh, this were fixed over this year. I'm just going to go over some of the stuff that I thought was really cool and that you know helped me in some of my uh, implementations. So the beginning of the year we had the alternate names for node matching um, using prefix, prefixes and suffixes and the ability to find either an alternate name. So that means that in one particular view, I could have in my planning view, I could call an account, have it a prefix with an AC underscore, but in my GL, it could just be the wrong number. But 
the system would see that as one node. And then there were changes defined in one in one view, it would automatically flow into the other automatically and not see it as a new node and something that didn't get changed. So that's pretty huge. It also helps cut down on your licensing costs because um, since it is one node, you, it gets counted once instead of twice or as many times as you want it being unique. Uh, so overall, it was a really good, good enhancement. The next thing is, is to enrich the request during an approval. So uh, EDMCS is that shopping cart approach to metadata management. And when people put in initial requests, they would go through a workflow or approval processes, and you had to send them back to get any changes you want. Well, sometimes as an admin or administrator, you just want to make a tweak like, oh, they spelled, they spelled something wrong. I'm just going to fix it. Um, and they, you can do that now as part of the process and still have it go through and not have to send it back. But it would track that you made those changes, which was, which was really cool. Um, you also have the ability to do uh, granular data access. So you could say that particular users or groups could only change certain properties on certain node types. Which was which was cool. So previously, you had you you had the view. You could change anything you wanted to. You can hide now. You can hide things. You can show them any you know have them read things, edit fields. Really powerful stuff. We also got some math functions in there to be able to do things on the particular metadata, like time functions or any type of math functions that we would want to add or counts to see where it was in a list. Really some cool functions that you, you, know, you could use. I have a couple of blogs on some of the way I've used some of these, but uh, they're really good functions to try to take advantage of. And unbound dimensions. So previously EDMCS was very strict with how you actually built extracts. And as they opened up the door to allow more, more creative extracts, you can actually now create unbound dimensions to an application type. So you can have one application type and have several different dimensions flowing off of that and not have to work through the complete workflow process and building out that formal dimension. You can just spin off multiple ones right within the tool, really more flexibility in how you build things out. In July, we had some cool stuff too. So July, basically, you know, this was a huge one is that when you were importing things, you had to have everything in the proper order. So like a child had to be added before it could be a parent or else it would error out. Now um, they gave you the ability, hey, we're going to just handle this out of water stuff and be like, okay, you added the child all the way down, but the parent records above it, we're going to be smart enough now to know how to import that. So that was a huge advantage. Now, so this is another one and it's a bit technical, but subscription with top note fil filters really fixed an issue where you had a, a subscription, but the filter was geared on the parent and it wasn't necessarily taking over any of the changes in the children. And this basically said, okay, we're going to take over all of the descendants as well uh, and be able to make those changes as they move things over. So it really helps synchronize the views. Um, I think that, and a couple of other things that were in this release, you had really the extract improvements. You could pivot, they added a bunch of new columns to create extracts. You could clone now environments that were similar to the way that Oracle EPM uh, could also clone. It's basically the whole application at one in one shot, but uh, you now have the clone uh, built into the application. Time-based functions, so you can do things like compare the date function to add fields linked to those to see when things have changed, make some big changes to that. So there was some good stuff that came out in July. In December, there was two features that I've been waiting for all year. 
And basically was the, the first one is, is the copy extract definitions. So when you would create an extract, you would have to recreate a new one if you wanted to do a di an additional one on that same dimension, or if you wanted to use the same exact column set, but just point it to a different view, you would have to do manually create it. Now you can copy it and point it to where you want it to go. And I was asking for that all year and finally came out. So it's a early Christmas present. So it's, it's wonderful. The next one here is derived properties and formulas. Uh, that was something that kind of worked early on, but it stopped working. And uh, basically, and I haven't had a chance to test this out yet, but Oracle's putting it back in where you could actually use derived properties in formulas and uh, be able to set those up. So that, that's a huge feature uh, to be able to take advantage of within EDMCS. And I'm excited for where this product's going because I think, again, like that enterprise journal module, it's, it's more of a global play. I know it fits within the um, EPM space right now, but it's definitely more of a global. And I think Oracle sees it as more of a global, not just within EPM. Cool. And I'm glad that you spoke on that topic because I know you have a lot of hands-on experience with it. So that's great. I was telling Anthony that, you know, I looked through the features list in three months this year, just pages of EDM new features and enhancements. And I just thought that was great. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we touched the key ones, but there's, there's yeah, a lot. There's of so many. Sure. There's yeah. so many. Yeah. All right. And then the last category that we wanted to touch on is really just a smorgasbord of other things that may not relate to a particular product category, like UI updates and REST API updates. So let's tackle these. Uh, one of the most notable things that happened, and some people may not have realized, but in the UI in February, Redwood began to break away from the herd and become its own UI option. So if you guys remember, Oracle released dynamic tabs that made it differentiated from the other, let's say, color theme options. And then as they continued to add to Redwood over the year, it really became its own animal. And so customers out there, if you choose Redwood as your color theme, just note that it's now a Redwood experience. It's not just a color option. And it does have different features in it compared to the other color themes that make it unique. Redwood experience. Yes, it is the Redwood experience now. So that that was the mark <laughs> of Oracle really just making it something it's, you know, different and unique and specialized. Mm. Also in February, the Rust API became available for the OCI Gen 2 EPM environments. I know that the OCI Gen 2 conversation has been not really talked about audibly, but so in case there are customers out there who are a little bit confused. So when Oracle Cloud EPM first came out, everything was on Gen 1 infrastructure. And it looks and feels very much like the traditional EPM cloud that you would expect to see. Then last year, they released OCI Gen 2, which is a very different look and feel of a platform. It incorporates some of the pass security and elements in it, and it really did confuse a number of customers, but just know that Gen 2 is the future direction, and Oracle has implemented a number of adoption programs this year to allow customers to migrate. Uh, what I will say, though, is that 
Migration, unfortunately, is not an easy button from Gen 1 to Gen 2. It does take some work and effort, but the benefit is that you'll be on the latest and greatest architecture for cloud, and this is where it is all going. So, Have you had any clients move to it? Yes, I do know oh. some clients that did move, and it was when this you know, was still new, so it was not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. And it was also difficult for consultants to understand the new Gen 2 world, um, but it, it is quite a bit different, especially when it comes to cloud security. So just be aware, though, that this is the direction that Oracle is going. And at some point, everybody's going to have to migrate over, um, but Oracle continues to make that process easier. So in March, something that was a little bit underdog is that they released a feature that allows you to create a direct URL to different objects within cloud EPM. And then you could copy and paste those direct URLs into cards and tabs and subtabs. So basically kind of like the old planning days of Hyperion yeah. on-prem, you could like copy the URL of let's say like a particular FR report or something like that. And then you could use it in like a task list or something, right? And that feature kind of went away when you moved to cloud. So they brought it back. And in March, they released this direct URLs feature. I don't believe it works for every single object in cloud, but now you can kind of copy and paste the direct URL to an object and then embed it in some of the other features of cloud so that people can directly access them, which is you know, yeah. all about user experience, right? So it just makes it easier. Yeah, I used to like that because I would embed, I would take the POV from the cell and put that from the right-click menu kind of thing and pass yeah. it through mm -hmm. to the report. I'm not sure if, I haven't tested it out to see if you can do things like that with this, but that would be cool to do. Yeah. Yep. Nice. And then in March, I don't know, Anthony, you probably have more experience with this than I do, but they did implement a pretty big feature related to the EPM integration agent. For those of you who are not familiar with that, that is an on-prem agent that allows you to directly get data from an on-prem data source and load it into cloud. And what they allowed you to do in March was a direct data load. So you could take, let's say you have, you know, like a SQL database on-prem or something like that, right? You could take a large volume of data from the on-prem data source and load it directly to cloud, um, which yeah. of course shortcuts, you know, the entire load process and, and reduces the processing time. So have you seen this, Anthony? Do you use this? I haven't used it yet, um, but I was excited this, when this came out because a lot of times people are like, I don't want to generate a flat file. I don't want to move it around. Um, and then this really helps prevent that. So this way it's more secure to be able to move your data directly through from SQL into the cloud without having that flat file gen yeah. um, and moving that through the inbox kind of thing. So I think for clients that are very uh, security conscious, yep. it's a uh, it's very, very important feature and something that is necessary you know, when moving to the cloud. And there's a lot of tools that out there that, you know, talk about this to kind of direct connect. And I think it's a big, important differentiator for Oracle as well to say, yes, we can do this too. And this is, it's huge because databases is their thing, right? And it's yep. one of the major things to be able to do that. Then in April, so they had, you know, kind of teased this earlier in the year, but the clone environment feature, which is initially released as clone snapshot. I remember playing with it in we found a bug with it, which I believe I blogged about earlier in the year, but uh, they changed the name to Clone Environment, and then they released it for all of cloud EPM starting in April, whereas it was initially released in beta stages for certain products, and they got people to test it, kind of figured out all the kinks and bugs, fixed them, and then it was then available for um, all of cloud EPM starting in April. Yep. 
In addition, in April, we had a couple of UI and REST API features that were notable from a REST API standpoint. The availability to send email, <laughs> which you know a lot of people love to be able to send notifications about how jobs process that way. I remember doing that um, and as an on-prem consultant. Um, in addition, they augmented REST API to do import and export of cell level security, as well as valid intersections and dimensions. So really just kind of pushing the envelope there. Any comments on that, Anthony? No, I think it, um, the sending email feature was huge. We used to just use external tools to do it, but to have something inside, inside the tool is great. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited to see that. Yep. And then also in April, I didn't see a lot of fanfare about this, but I was pretty excited about it when it came out because of just the idea and concept of it. They allowed for a new web ad hoc capability in cloud EPM. So for folks who didn't always have SmartView you know, readily available to you, but maybe you had a tablet available, you could actually do basic SmartView ad hoc directly in the web without having to have Microsoft Office available to you. So I thought that was kind of neat, but to be honest, I don't know if I've heard a lot of customers using this. I think this is the foundation, this new web ad hoc that is going to be able to establish what it's going to look like in the future. So it's exciting from that part. I'm curious why they picked WebView, the ad hoc mode, as the starting place instead of forms. Like if they had told clients, hey, right away, we're going to have brand new forms, everybody would have jumped on and started using it. But this was a feature that they had in there, but that wasn't very popular. But I do think it works well. If it leads to new things within the planning web forms, I think that uh, this is a great improvement. And, and I think that you know, the future looks bright in that area. So in May, just a nod to the account reconciliation folks, they added SmartView support, which I don't know how that looks or feels, but I thought it was interesting that that was added in May. And in June, there was chatbot support added for Microsoft Teams and Slack. So just kind of pushing the platform beyond the Oracle Cloud EPM platform. Hopefully there are a lot of people using that. In August, we had the server-side execution of EPM Automate commands, which is always interesting whenever we push any processing to the server side, because that means that you can take that processing off of the client side. Have you seen any noticeable improvements based on this ability, Anthony? No, I haven't used it because I haven't rewritten any of my automation. <laughs> oh, so it does require rewriting. Okay. Yeah. I figured it did. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, something for people to note in case you're writing any new EPM automate commands, you might want to push all that processing to the server side. And then a nod to the tax reporting folks. So in September, the digital assistant option was added for tax reporting. I'm curious as to how that's going. And then in October, we had a documentation update that was notable. I don't know if you guys realize this, but it was frustrating to me. But for whatever reason, starting in October of this year, all the new feature monthly updates moved to a new website. <laughs> so there's now, did, you know, yeah. kind of like there were two documents at the time. One included all the monthly feature updates from January through September. And then they had this new website that had October and beyond. Now I think they've consolidated it. So you can find both in one place, but it was definitely confusing for a couple of moments there. I think even Rinaldi mentioned it in one of his planning updates. <laughs> he was like, where did this go? So, yeah. And then uh, the last thing that I wanted to mention is that system reporting got some major upgrades this year. 
um, all throughout the year. Oh, yeah. They were enhancing the activity reports. They were also enhancing the EPM cloud operations guide. So that's just something that, you know, any system reporting that tells you more about what is happening behind the scenes in cloud is a good thing. And they did a lot to both of those types of reports this year. And I think the other thing that, you know, SmartView for the Mac got so much love this year. And yeah, there were quite a few updates there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I haven't, I'm a Mac user and I don't use it, um, but uh, I, I think I should start trying to give it a shot this way. Uh, get, you know, get a feel for what it, what it feels and looks like because they're putting so much effort into it. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel the same way you do. Cause I also use a Mac. That's uh, one of the reasons why Anthony and I are such great friends because we both use Macs, but, um, but yeah, I I'm kind of thinking maybe I need to rethink the strategy and try it out and see what it looks like. Yeah, no, I, I, the, one of the things is the connections. It's not as streamlined as, uh, yeah, I agree. But that, that's the only thing issue I have with it. It's a lot easier to connect via Windows to the Mac. But I think if you have a long term client or setting that up, I think it makes sense to try it, to give it a shot at least. And I think one of the reasons why I've been hesitant is because narrative reporting, the extension, I don't, I don't believe it's supported on a Mac. So there they are a number got of the extensions what? that aren't supported no, on a Mac yet. No Docklets? No docklets yeah, there. No, like there's, and you have to use it for report packages. You absolutely have to use SmartView. So it just hasn't, you know, been something that I've really been able to use in my line of work. And that's one of the reasons why I've been hesitant. Yeah, very good. Very good. So that's a wrap, everyone, for 2021. Crazy good features list this year for Oracle Cloud EPM. Yeah, definitely. We want to wish everyone out, you know, happy holidays and uh, a joyous and prosperous new year. Thanks yeah, happy holidays, everybody, and happy new years, everyone. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. The statements in this show represent the views of the participants and the hosts, and not necessarily the views of any organizations they may be affiliated with. You can reach us on Twitter, Anthony at Freddy and Opal at WomanInEPM with the hashtag EMTechCast. Please remember to subscribe to get the latest from the Performance Management TechCast.